Mark 9 and John 13. When we began this series, the Lord gave us a a verse. I'll get to Mark 9 in a moment uh, to talk about all four of these words. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man, and I put in parentheses, believing. God made us to believe. If you didn't hear the message two weeks ago, you can go back online and listen to it. In our image, belonging. In other words, we belong to God and to each other. According to our likeness, we are trying to become like him. And let them, man, by the way, is the word mankind. It's not the word for male in the Bible. It's mankind, male and female. Let them have dominion. Then he goes in over the fish and the birds and the cattle. So that means building. So that's where we base it on, all right? So this week we're talking about becoming. Let me read you a few verses before we get to John 1, I mean uh, to Mark 9 again. John 1 verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become, to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Let me just remind you that when we believe in Jesus, we receive eternal life. When we are believing, when we continue to believe for every area of our life, we receive abundant life. So it's the same with belonging, it's the same with becoming. When we believe, we become a child of God. But are we becoming, are we in a process? Mark 1:17. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become, I will make you become fishers of men. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete as a believer. Become, he's writing to the church, the church at Corinth. Become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So we're gonna talk about becoming. Last week when I talked about belonging, I, I had two points. I talked about how we are born rejected and how we're born again accepted. I'm gonna follow that same line but I have three points this week, all right? Here's number one. We are born self-centered. We are born self-centered. Now, babies are cute. Babies are wonderful. I love babies. We have three kids, and we uh, have our third grandchild on the way. Babies are wonderful, but let's be honest. Babies are (laughs) self-centered. Babies want us to get up in the middle of the night and take care of them. Hey, let's take a test just for fun. Let's do a little test. Let me give you two, let me say two statements. You tell me if they're true or false. Let's do this at all the campuses. Respond out loud. I'll say a statement. You say true or false, all right? Human beings are basically self-centered. True. Okay, here's the second statement. I am a human being. (laughs) You self-centered bunch of people. We all are. All right, look at Mark 9. This is one of my favorite stories about the disciples. Mark chapter 9, to emphasize this self-centeredness. Verse 33, then he, Jesus, came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. This is the first pastor's conference right here. And he sat down, called the 12, and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, have you ever thought about really this playing out, okay? 
They're on the road. They're talking. They don't think that he hears them. He's up in front of them or something. And they're talking about, and they, 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 it says they disputed. So they're arguing. So they probably got loud, okay? They're disputing who's the greatest of, among them. So when they get to the house, Jesus calls them together. He says, come here, guys. I want to talk to you about something. They come together. They think they're going to get a teaching. They got their notebooks out. They're ready. Jesus says, um, what, what were you talking about on the road? Now, think about this. You, you can see them. Um, I don't even remember, Pete. Do you remember? I don't even remember what we were talking about. No, no, no. Come on. You probably remember. What, what were you talking about? I remember we talked about the weather. It's really good weather. We're having, don't you, Lord, don't you think it's good weather? Trying to, you know, change the subject. And then Jesus says, well, let me just tell you what you were talking about. Whoever wants to be the greatest must be the servant. If you want to be first, you have to be last in the kingdom. He just immediately zeroes in on it. And what he zeroes in on is what I would call me-ism. We are born with me-ism. The focus is on me, me, my needs. We make statements like, I need to look out for me. Um, uh, I need to do what's best for me. We make all these statements. And in marriage, you can really hear these statements. And by the way, uh, if you're here and you're single and you want to die to yourself, get married. That's the quickest way right there to die to yourself. But in marriage, we hear these all the time. We hear this in marriage counseling. She is not meeting my needs. And then I want to use some Texas talk. I'm going to get me someone who will meet my needs. He doesn't listen to me. I need to get me someone who will listen to me. I need to look out for me. I need to do what's best for me. All right, here's one I don't even understand. I need to find myself. <laughs> I can help you. You're right there. I see you. <laughs> it, it is this meism. It's even in the church. It's amazing. I don't like the music. I don't like the style. It's not my style. Or then we'll even say it this way. I think the worship should be longer. I think the worship should be shorter. And then we go into all sorts of things. I don't like the young people. And then someone says, I don't like the older people. And then you got someone say, I don't like either group. <laughs> it's continuous with us. It's in our advertising. You deserve a break today. Have it your way. Okay, in Mark 10, one chapter over from where we're in Mark 9, I want to show you what I think is the funniest verse in the Bible. Now, this is not a verse that immediately we see is just, uh, you know, you just break out laughing immediately, although we'll laugh some. But as you think about it, the more you think about it, you'll see how funny this verse is. Mark 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher, now watch this, <laughs> We want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Lord, sovereign God, creator and ruler of the universe, I want you to do for me whatever I ask. Well, who wouldn't want him to do that? Sure. And then Jesus' response is really good. Verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? 
(laughs) Verse 37, they said to him, grant us that we may sit on the right hand and on the left hand in your glory. Now, this is the Mark version of this. In Matthew 20, it says they sent their mother to ask. And the mother of James and John said, would you grant that one of my sons could sit on your right and one on your left? Okay, you you really, when you really understand this and think about it and study it with other scripture, you understand Jesus' response. Let me first of all tell you something. She said, would you grant when you come in your kingdom that one of my sons could sit on your right and one sit on your left? Okay, listen, when you combine that with Jesus' teaching in Matthew 25, he says, when the Son of Man comes into his kingdom... Listen closely. He's going to put sheep on his right and goats on his left. Then he's going to say to those on his right, come enter into the kingdom prepared for you by my Father. He's going to say to the ones on his left, depart from me into everlasting fire. Now, think about it again. She said, Lord, would you grant that one of my sons, when you come in your kingdom, could sit on your right and one on your left? In Matthew 20, here was his response. Lady, you don't know what you're asking. You don't even know what you're asking. Now, I wonder how many times we pray and he's thinking, you don't even know what you're asking. I know what's best for you. Why don't you pray for my will to be done in your life on earth as it is in heaven? So they come and ask. Okay, so they say, Lord, will you grant us that we sit, we can sit, you know, on your right and your left. Okay, here's what they're really saying. Here's what James and John are really saying. Lord, we understand that you're number one because you're, you know, walking on water and raising the dead and things we can't do. And so you're, you're number one. You're the Lord. That's fine with us. But will you let us sit right under you and over everyone else? Lord, will you let us rule that we are born with the desire to rule. Every one of us, we want to rule. Lord, will you let me rule? Just one time in my life, Lord, before I die, will you let me rule? Just let me rule over the jerks at my office. Just please, Lord, just, just one time let me rule. We, this is the way we are. I told you a few months ago, my grandson, four years old, goes to preschool and says to the teacher the first day he's there, uh, I need to let you know uh, I'm only going to be here five weeks. and then I'm going to be the boss of somebody. <laughs> he's already determined he's going to be the boss. And I think he gets it from Debbie. She's very bossy. So, <laughs> By the way, thank you for praying for Debbie. Debbie's here in the service today, so she's doing much better. So thank you. My daughter, my daughter, and I asked her if I could tell this story, probably was born with the desire to rule a little more than some children are. Because when she was three years old, I'm out of town ministering at a church, and Debbie told her to do something, and my daughter Elaine said, I don't have to. She's three when she said this. And Debbie said, "Uh, why don't you have to? And she said, because you're not the boss. She said, dad's the boss, and when dad's out of town, I'm the boss. And so Debbie uh, ministered to her. (laughs) We are born self-centered. Here's number two. Here's some good news. Number two, we are born again Christ-centered. 
You, you can't even be saved unless you deny yourself and pick up your cross, right? That's what the Bible says. And by the way, there are a lot of you that, not a lot of you, but there are a lot of people that are not saved, probably some of you, because you don't deny yourself and take up your cross. You, please, please, please hear me. It'd be good to go to church and hear the truth, wouldn't it? Listen to me. Some of you are on your way to hell because you're still the boss. Now, I understand we grow and mature, but at some point, you've got to deny self and pick up the cross if you want to follow Jesus. It's the only way we get saved. And when we're born again, we're born again Christ-centered. Doesn't mean we're immediately uh, mature in the Lord, but we're born again now where he becomes the center of our life. Now, remember we just read how James and John said, Lord, will you let us, said, you know, will you let us rule, please? Okay, I love this verse. If you go down just a little bit, verse 40, 41, Matthew, Mark 10, verse 41. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Now, I think they were greatly displeased because they didn't think of it first, personally. That's my personal opinion. Verse 42, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Even for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many." See, they were looking for Jesus to take over. They were looking for him to defeat Rome and set up a, a, a new monarchy, and they would be right under him. They had meism all over their minds, and they did not understand this suffering servant who was talking about being a martyr. They didn't catch it at all. And do you realize that there are many, many uh, messages and many teachings today that are right along the meism. Christianity is the feel-good, cure-all religion instead of the pick up your cross and die to self. And that's what Jesus preached. If we think about it, a growing, maturing believer in Jesus will become less and less self-centered and more and more Christ-centered. Now, God has a ministry for all of us, every person. What, no matter what you do for a job, every believer in the body of Christ has a gifting, and that gifting is to be expressed in some form of ministry. Maybe not vocationally, but some form of ministry. I want everyone to function in that gifting and that calling, but we're becoming something that. that that's not who we are. That's what we do. Let me show it to you this way. We'll get to John 13 in a minute. Romans 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. A bond servant in Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Here, here's, what, here's what Paul said. That's what I do, an apostle, but let me tell you who I am. Who I am is a bond servant of Jesus. Now, let me tell you why I like this. He said, here's my position, here's who I am. We have elders who have the position of eldership, elder, and they function as an elder at Gateway Church, but who they are their servants. We have deacons who have the position of deacon. They function as a deacon, but who they are are servants. We have children's ministers. They're servants. We have greeters who are servants. We, we have group leaders who are servants. I love that about Gateway Church. At the uh, other building, Southlake building, 
I used to come in the side door where the porta cachet is, and I opened the door one time, and a new family was coming in. And uh, they said to me, do you go here? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, well, could you tell us where the children's ministry classes are? And I said, absolutely, I'll show you. So we're walking down the hall. Well, we're walking down the hall, people are, are greeting me. People are saying, hey, Pastor Robert, hey, Pastor Robert. And uh, they're starting to, you know, put two and two together. But the lady said to me before people were greeting me, she said, we've heard the pastor here is a great preacher. She said, what do you think? I said, he's one of the best I've ever heard. We got up to the class, and the children's pastor starts talking to me, telling me this story, and you can see the expression on her face as it dawns on her. So when we turn around and leave, she said, are you the pastor? Because people already greeted me and said, you know, hey, Pastor Robert, hey, Pastor Robert, and she had said are you the pastor? And I said to her, I'm one of the pastors. And then when we got to the door, he starts telling this. And so she said, are you the pastor? And I said, well, I am the senior pastor, but what that means to me is I'm the senior servant. And she said, I- I'm so sorry. We-. I said, no, 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 you don't need to apologize. I said, I love doing what I just did. I love serving people. And I said, you're going to find out we have a whole church that loves to serve people. And I love that about Gateway Church. So, we're born self-centered. We're born again Christ-centered. Here's the third point that I want us to talk about. We become like Jesus. That's the goal, to become like Him. Now, if you want to go and look at John 13, I'll get there the next reference, but let me show you one before we get there. John the Baptist said it this way, John 3, verse 30 in the New Living. He, Jesus, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. In other words, Jesus must become greater and greater through me, and I must become less and less so people can see him. Okay, John 13 is is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We're going to pick up right after he washes their feet, all right? Look at verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, Taken his garments and sat down, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? In other words, do you understand what I just did? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, now I'm going to change a couple of words in the verse just to emphasize my point, all right? So you just watch and see what I change. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash my feet. Now, notice he didn't say that. If I wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I see a lot of us don't even think about what he did here. In Israel, uh, at this time, they wore sandals and a lot of dirt, not, not any pavement, some rock roads, but not any pavement. Even to this day, I've been to Israel many times, it's still dirty. There's a lot of dirt, uh, and it's, it's in the middle of a desert, in essence, and it's this little oasis in the middle of a desert, but still a lot of dirt. At that time, though, not pavement like you walked across the parking lot today to, to come in, so a lot of dirt. I can remember coming to the South Lake building while it was being built and showing people around and get back in the car and just feet covered with, with dust. And, of course, if it, if it was dry, dust. If it had rained, mud caked on my shoes, you know? It's the same with, his, with uh, Israel. 
They'd walk around, and if it had been dry, their feet were covered with dirt and dust. If it had been moist or wet, covered with mud. And so when you walked into a house, there was a little foyer, and there was a bowl there, and a servant would come and wash your feet. Now, we actually, in some of our homes, have something like this. Now, we call a mudroom. You know, it's where you take your muddy shoes off, all right? But they would come in, and they would be talking to the host. How you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for having us over. While they were talking, the servant would take their sandals off and have this little bowl and wash their feet one at a time. And then they'd go in the house without the shoes. The shoes would stay in this room. And then the servant would clean the shoes while you were having dinner. So here they're having dinner with Jesus. I want you to think about this. And not one disciple had thought about washing Jesus' feet, much less another disciple's feet. So Jesus gets up and goes over and gets the bowl and brings it over. And, one, and you know, Peter even argues, no, no, Lord. And Jesus says, Peter, just be quiet. Watch what I'm doing. And he does this, he goes down the line, and then he sets down, it says, and he says, do you understand what I just did? I don't think any of them did. I think they were still thinking about who's going to be the greatest. He said, I did this as an example. If the creator of the universe washes your feet, serves you, you ought to serve one another. It's huge for us to understand this. We want to become like Jesus. That's our goal. I heard a pastor share one time, never forgotten this. He shared that after Sunday services, he went home and he was sitting in his chair and his son came up to him. And he had this look on his face, very serious. And he looked over at his son and said, are you okay? And his son said to him, Daddy, are you Jesus? And he said, son, why are you asking me this? And he said, well, in Sunday school today, the teacher, our lesson was about Jesus. And she told us how Jesus always takes care of us. How Jesus always loves us, even when we're bad. And she told us all about Jesus. And the more she told us, the more I thought about you. So, Daddy, I want to know, are you Jesus? And he said, son, I'm not Jesus, but I want to become like Jesus. And then he said, I just had this thought, and I said to him, I hope that after you grow up in my home and you live with me every day, I hope you ask me that again. And years later, the son was getting married, and the pastor and the son were in the back room over here, and they were just all by themselves. The pastor was looking out the door, waiting for the grandmothers to be seated, and the mothers, and then they were supposed to walk out to greet the processional, you know. And he noticed they'd been seated, and it was their cue, and he turned around, and he said, okay, it's time to go, and he started to open the door, and the son put his hand on the door, and he stopped it. And the pastor turned around, and the son, with tears streaming down his face, said, Daddy, are you Jesus? That's the goal. We are becoming 
like Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Now, when we talk about being like Jesus, all of us could think of times in our lives that we're not like Jesus. And I want you to know that even in church, the devil will try to bring condemnation on you. Even when you're in church, he'll try to say, boy, you're so bad and you messed up so bad with your kids and your wife and your family and your relationships. Okay, listen, don't listen to that voice. When I say what's the Holy Spirit saying to you, the Holy Spirit will be very specific and will always encourage us. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And we want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending, in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. We ask that, that no one leave during this time because it's just one song and it's a part of the service and it's very, very important because people are making decisions for eternity. People are being ministered to and prayed with. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, your family, your health, your finances, your marriage, your relationship with God, we want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. At every campus, no matter which campus you're attending, in just a minute, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we'll all stand, we'll all sing one worship song. At that time, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus. If you need prayer for any area of your life, I want you to come to one of the leaders. And listen, it's really not embarrassing because other people will be coming. You're not the only one. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. Maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been here for five years. And some of you, I know specifically because just a moment ago, I felt like the Lord very specifically telling me to say to you straightforwardly, if, you're, if you haven't died to yourself, don't kid yourself. You haven't been saved yet. And some of you need to come and give your lives to Jesus. Say, I'm ready to die to myself. I'm tired of straddling the fence. I'm tired of one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I want to give everything to God today. But if you need prayer for any area of your life, including your relationship with God, whatever it is, in just a moment, as soon as we stand up, you stand up, step out and come, and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that needs any prayer in Jesus' name, amen.